to me, my balloonyacs. Aeronaut Zack here with your friendly neighborhood content warning. That part was Spider-Man, not X-Men, but we're going with it. This is a podcast where we let the internet ask us questions, and that is always a mistake. So, we are sometimes uh, adult-themed adjacent, and we will say all of the naughty words. Now, on with the show. Hi everybody, I'm Tyler. And I'm Zach. We're your aeronauts and we're back with more word balloons. We've been flying high on our own hot air, but we've stopped our journey to Westchester to answer your nerdy questions. So with that in mind, Zach, what's our question this week? Did an X-Man once wipe out all life on Earth? I'm just going to let you... Editor Steven slash Stowaway here. Is it only one? Okay, now that you ask that, my brain's like, is there others? Hmm. I think only one. And the answer is... Technically, no, but almost. Okay. Interesting, because, I mean, like, with all of the X-Men, I imagine there's at least one power set that could theoretically in one op- one or two offshoots of different dimensions destroy everything. I mean, we should get it out there. Dark Phoenix did blow up a star, which blew up several planets, so mm-hmm. more than one X-Men has committed genocide. <laughs> On a planetary scale. Yeah. Yeah. And this one didn't stick at least so i know i know who we're gonna bring up yeah and it's bishop yes and we're gonna i'm talk not about exactly sure of the details we're gonna talk about the worst creative decision they've ever made with bishop and this is a man who had a mullet for the first i'm not positive of the so details so before you confirm it all for me i'm gonna guess is this during that time period where he was allied with strife yes okay so There was a big X-Men event in the, I don't know, like 2005 to 2010 range, somewhere in that, called the Messiah Complex. There were no mutants anymore after the Scarlet Witch decimated the mutant population. There were like 198 of them left total, and new mutants weren't being born. And then suddenly one is, that is Hope Summers, who has become a pretty significant character. They came up with the creative decision here. That they're going because they knew they were going to end the series with Cable taking Hope into the future to raise her, and they're like, "We should have another X Men trying to stop them." And they decided on Bishop because he's the other time travel X Man. They later realized that maybe making probably the second most significant POC X Man a genocidal maniac was a bad character decision, and found ways to unwrite it. But but they sure did it. Right. As I remember, like, every character choice Bishop makes for a little bit is like, I gotta kill that baby. Yes. I am going to kill this small child. Why? And here we go. I'm going to give the original reason, and then I'm going to explain the retcon of how they tried to make this all okay. Please. So, it is revealed that even though they had been saying for years they had already changed Bishop's future by stopping Onslaught, that they, like, restarted Bishop's future by Hope being born. Bishop comes from an alternate future where ex- where mutants are kept in camps and are all tattooed a big M on their face. It is very horrific. It's like days of future past about. As a child, he always apparently was like, I wish I could have killed that baby. So, <laughs> just, you know, so I wouldn't be in camps and my sister wouldn't I... be there and my parents wouldn't be killed and my weird aborigine grandfather wasn't also stuck in camps because his grandfather was uh, Gateway, who is a X-Man adjacent character. I mean, if you, okay. Wanting to kill a baby, bad. 
in the context of like wanting to kill a baby to end genocide historically definitely a big fucking nerd question in that like would you time travel to kill baby hitler is for some reason definitely a concept with time travel yeah but hope's not a villain hope just they had this thing called apparently the six minute war where hope versus the world and like hope loses but she causes a lot of damage and that's when mutants are i mean they've been actively rounded up enough times that i'm not sure why this one was the one that they were like all right all right that that's too much but the series ends with cable being like all right i'm gonna take this baby to the future and bishop going no and trying to shoot the baby in cable's arms and professor x jumping in the way and getting shot in the face what? And then Cable disappears, and Bishop, whose arm gets blasted off in the process, hightails it out of there, beats up Forge, steals a robot arm. Nuclear-powered robot nuclear arm. Nuclear-powered robot arm, and starts chasing Cable through the future. So the story is, and I don't like this story because I like Bishop too much, but the concept is absolutely buck wild to steal a phrase from you. So I, I love the idea. I hate the... Execution. I love the wild writing. I don't like. I don't like anything about. I hated the series. I, I tried it several times. I don't times. like the writing, but I like the wild. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the story is Cable spending the next like fifteen to twenty years, which no makes Cable about eight hundred years old at this point. Like he, yeah, he has like gotten married and raised a kid like four times in his life now. Um, I mean, not unheard of for mutants. How old was Apocalypse? Very old. So yeah. Very old. I, I'm just pointing it out there. They've had several times where Cable being like, I'm an old man now. You've been old since 1992. I'm an older, older man now. But as they're like fleeing through time, Bishop eventually decides the best way to deal with this is to just give them nowhere to hide. So he starts traveling through time, setting up giant genocides. So, like, he nukes Australia. He burns down the Amazon with chemical fires. He manipulates China into a huge civil war where they kill themselves all off with uh, bioweapons. And he tells himself, this is fine, because when I kill the baby, this future will never have happened. Um... I don't... It's not how... I I don't know much about time travel, but I don't think that's how that works. That's usually not how that works. He's really hoping that the grandfather paradox works in his favor to make this never happen. Who knows? Uh, he teams up with Strife. He does a bunch of evil. He is eventually left abandoned on a... I think it's an Earth far in the future where there's no life left. And he's like, you may have raised this young teenage girl, Cable, but I'm her father as much as you are. See, I I also helped raise her. I did the right thing, right? And they're like, no, Lucas, you did not. No. <laughs> no. No, no, you, no, you did not. You nuked Australia, and that's the worst, the least bad of the terrible things you've done. All the kangaroos. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think of that. And the, the humans. Wombats. I mean, I'm Platypi. okay. Oh. Koalas are apparently pretty pretty terrifying. Um, so I'm... And STD ridden. Oh, I'm a mix of bag on that. But... But there's a bunch... Yeah. They later have him come back, and at first, like, he's been doing work to try to not be evil and crazy after he joins this weird group of monks in the far future that fight, I don't know, demons or something. Sure, why not? Roll through it. With his nuclear-powered arm? No, he has his arm back, but I don't know how. <laughs> I 
I know he has an arm again, but for the life of me, I could not tell you where it came from. It was regrown somehow. Somehow. But they reveal, because, again, they realize maybe, like, for being honest, Storm is the best-known POC member of the X-Men. I honestly put Bishop as, like, number two. Yeah. Yeah? Uh, You know, worst case, he's in the top five, and they go... Maybe it's a bad idea for him to be a genocidal maniac. Also, we kind of wrote ourselves into a corner. So they went with the classic. He was possessed by a demon bear. (laughs) There's a very famous... The demon bear. The demon bear. Is this the same demon bear that's referenced in, or at least used in... um, um, Yes. New Mutants. New Mutants? Yep. Yes. The demon bear saga is a big story, usually involving Danielle Moonstar, a member of the New Mutants, but every once in a while, they pop him out somewhere else, and they're like, well, we need to make Bishop not evil. Demon bears. <laughs> One demon bear. Single, singular demon bear. The demon bear. I was possessed by a demon. It's okay. And then they just kind of stop talking about it, other than years later in the Iceman solo series, we have a bit of Bishop, like, thinking to himself. You know, the internal comic book monologue where he's like, the X-Men have forgiven me, or I guess I've decided to forgive them. We're moving on. I'm like, that's not shit you move on from. <sighs> well, that's a lot. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It really is. I see you processing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can't see it, but uh, it's that gif of uh, of the woman doing math. That's my face. You are staring very far off. Uh, it's like, that's so much. Wow. Um, I had no idea. Also, surprisingly, not the person I would have guessed who would have gotten as close to doing... Uh, doing, you know, global genocide. Who, you, who would you have gone? I would have guessed Dark Phoenix, in all honesty. Well, I mean, <laughs> she succeeded. He almost did. Uh, good point. Excellent. Excellent point. I wouldn't have guessed Bishop either. I don't know who I would have guessed, though. He's the one... He's not necessarily who I would have guessed, but he's one of the ones that doesn't surprise me too much, because that man is super willing to shoot someone in the head to prevent his future. I mean, that's He tried true. to do it to Gambit more than once because he was pretty sure Gambit was responsible. From that angle, I wholeheartedly understand that. Of like, he like he is a man who seems to be willing to do what he needs to do to avoid that outcome for himself and the people that he had to see go through that. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Anyway, in order for our computer to uh, get its right orienteering as we travel back towards Westchester, uh, we're going to have to see if Zach can help illuminate some of the names that we, or facts about some of the names that we've been sent by Xavier. This one should be a lot of fun. I'm not expecting that you will be stumped at all by this one. Uh, Zach, so embarrassed now if I am. Of course, if you do screw it up, you'll have to make it up at the end of the season, yada, yada, yada. It's Psylocke. Oh. <laughs> You thought I wouldn't? Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm interested to know more because this is a weird character. Gonna try to explain some stuff that I have read explanations for a couple of times and still don't really understand because it's not very well written. Psylocke wasn't originally created for the X-Men. She first appeared in Captain Britain because she is the uh, twin sister of Brian Braddock. Her name is Betsy Braddock, uh, who is the erstwhile Captain Britain. She was originally created as a psychic, but not necessarily a mutant. She later joined Strike, which was the British equivalent of S.H.I.E.L.D. in an Alan Moore penned story. So that's where she starts to get some of her 
I'm a badass training, and briefly becomes Captain Marvel before a terrible villain named Slaymaster stabs her eyes out, and the original Captain Britain has to retake the position. She later is, I believe, kidnapped by Mojo, who is an alternate universe weird TV producer that keeps kidnapping people to put them on his murder shows. I, I love this character, sorry. He's one of my favorite I random X-Men Mojo, characters. Honestly. <laughs> Mostly um, I love his design of just like half half yellow person on a floating platform type thing. Angry just, Simpsons like, Job of the Hut? Yes. Um uh, with with like <laughs> Yes. <laughs> with robot like death claws usually is And spider legs, yeah. And spider legs. Mm-hmm. But to Psylocke. They start calling her Psylocke there because they give her robot eyes, so she's a psychic and she's a cyborg. Psylocke. In the New Mutants of all places, she joins up in the X-Mansion during a time when Magneto is running it. She's initially very bad at her job, despite the fact that she was basically an agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. She was an agent of Strike. She ends up getting a big armored costume and slowly learns and becomes a pretty significant X-Men member in the late 80s. There is a very weird X-Men story where they're sent through an item called the Siege Perilous. I still don't know what the Siege Perilous is. I'm going to be very honest with you here. It's a gateway, but those who go through it are changed, and they basically forget who they were and get new lives. And all of the X-Men go through this and lose their identities. Colossus becomes a, like, painter in New York, a few others. I don't... It's strange. It's from an era called the Outback Era because the X-Men were hiding out in Australia. It's not a well-thought-of era of the Chris Claremont run. Why did Australia come up so much? It's where Jubilee comes from, from all places, too. Which, she's fucking wild. (laughs) Her costume's based off Robin's. Yellow coat instead of cape. uh, Green short shorts, green sunglasses instead of a mask. And she wore a pink shirt instead of a red one. It works so much fucking better on her. Yes, it does. Mm -hmm. But, not the point, we are discussing Psylocke. Psylocke, instead of escaping to a theoretically happy life like everyone else, is found and kidnapped by the Hand, who do some weird thing with her that I don't understand, and they have her swap bodies with a ninja woman named Quanon. It's like K-W-A-N-N-O-N. Yeah. Why they do this, I do not understand, but she becomes their personal assassin and is now Asian. Yes, this is one of the things I know about Psylocke, and this sounds bad to me. No, it's very problematic. Um, this is where it did give the character completely new life, though, and brought her to long time. intense new heights because uh, that character design is fire. And the way she starts using her telepathy and telekinesis, also fire. Way cooler character would much rather it just be a completely new character. I it, would rather she just be yeah. an Asian woman with these things than let's Ugh. recreate Batsy Baddock to this. Yeah. 100%. Please. That's way more interesting to me personally. And they do get it better later, which we will get to at the end of this. She becomes awesome ninja lady then. She actually gets better costumes later where she's allowed to have pants, but it is a pretty iconic costume. She starts using her telekinesis as the, like, telekinetic dagger. And samurai katana. And becomes an action junkie in her own terms. They spend a while where she's, like, 
trying to get Cyclops to cheat on Jean Grey with her. And when Jean calls her out, she's like, oh no, I want to make him feel things. And then they just drop the storyline and never deal with it again. It's because she got her way. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know this to be true. This is just me conjecturing. Uh, I think they just, I think that's when Jim Lee left the series and they were like, we don't need to just not do this. No, no, we don't need that. I'm not a hundred percent sure on why they, but I'm pretty sure it's right around that time at the very least. Betsy Braddock starts dating Angel. She later dumps Angel. She dates unknown X-Men. She kind of... No one knows what to do with her for a long time. She gets killed a couple of times. Uh, joins a group called the Exiles, who were uh, interdimensional travelers of X-Men from different dimensions trying to, like, right wrongs. And most recently, something weird goes down. I don't understand what happened. But Betsy's mind gets torn out of Quanon's body, basically. And she uses her telepathy and telekinesis to build herself a new body, and she's basically back in her old white lady form. But Quanon basically reemerges. And these days, Quanon is acting as Psylocke in that body, while Betsy Braddock is back in her original body and is, I think, currently Captain Britain in Excalibur. But it was part of Marvel going, oh, guys, that was... Can we undo that? You know how she's one of our most prominent Asian characters? Maybe she shouldn't be a white woman in there. Like, mm-hmm. good choice. Yeah, I like this. This is a that's a that's a wise move. Having realized that mistake you made, I know Apocalypse was a bad movie. I thought Olivia Munn looked perfect. Yeah, yeah, the costume was real fire. I don't know if I like her as an actor or a human. Um, I don't know enough about her to have opinions. I just remember that the... I don't think I even ever saw Apocalypse. Oh, I watched a lot of Attack of the Show, so, like, I saw a lot of her on that. But I've heard a lot of uh, weird mixed reviews about her, uh, of uh, working with her. All right, mm. that's fair. Um, but I... That's also limited to me, a human who knows none of these humans personally, so... Uh, I don't think you need to do any redemption. I would be very surprised. <laughs> yeah, if you missed that anything? One. That was another one just for me. I love Psylocke. <laughs> Psylocke has been one of my favorites for Her costume ever. from, I think it was Uncanny X-Force that Chris Anka designed is just gorgeous. I definitely so only ever saw her after, like, I, I was introduced to her after she was uh, moved into... Most people did. Yeah. In, mm-hmm. I didn't know her as Betty Brannick, Um And what was her Captain Marvel? Or Captain, Captain Britain. Britain. Captain Britain. I'd never heard of that that character before seeing Psylocke, really. As, I didn't know iteration. it until years later. I didn't know it until I think I started reading some Captain Britain stories and went, wait a second. Uh, but I loved that character design. I loved the concept of someone who was using telekinetic, psychokinetic, I don't know what exactly it's called, but like creating your the own. The mind blades. The, the psychic mind blades. Bad dagger yes. or yeah. whatever it is. Like Such a badass character. So just... cool. And then, yeah. And I love later on when she gets, like, the handle on it where she's like, I can use it to cut, or it's just going to phase into your head and short-circuit your system like a taser for a second. She fights the Shadow King a lot. That's the one thing I left out, but no one really cares about the Shadow King that much. Other than it's very cool in um, uh, in Legion. I really yeah. liked the rendition of Shadow King in there, which I don't know if I even finished. I've never seen it. Uh, I recommend it based on seeing season one and two alone. Uh, I think I I didn't see season three. Not important. Uh, Well, that's it for today, folks. We're taking off. Before we go, we'd like to remind you to hit subscribe and check out all of our sister shows over at earvrm.com. That is E-A-R-V-V-Y-R-M.com. Other ways to get in touch with and follow us will be in the show notes. And as always, we'd like to give a special thanks to our editor, Stephen Gady, and to Ian Ford for our theme song, Tracks. Until next time, I'm Tyler. I'm Zach. Up, up, and away. 